in this school system, and, and sometimes I know those class, <laughs> those classes, I remember, God, I'll never forget how long it took to get through the day. I mean, I was not a school guy. I didn't like school at all. Still don't like school, okay? But I remember showing up and thinking that 3.30 seems like it's on the other side of the world, okay? And I mean, there was classes you just sat there, and their lips are moving, but you're thinking, I don't need this. This is not for me, okay? I already speak English very well. I don't have to learn. I'll get it. I promise you. I'll hang around enough people. But I'm just saying, the, the school classes can seem like they go on and on and on, okay? Now I'm glad I went to school, okay? Because I remember when I got that diploma. How many of y'all, when y'all went to get that diploma? Man, I felt like I was receiving. Oh, my gosh. I felt like a king. Nobody else thought I was. <laughs> I'm sure, okay? They were waiting for their kid to get up there. And I had three people out there, and I couldn't even hear them clap. So, I mean, I, I was excited, though. I was excited. But the, but the point is, guys, that sometimes in life, we can just get lost in this big world. We can because it's so big, and there's so much to choose from. Sometimes when you're trying to figure out life and what in the world is your place in this big world, we can sometimes think that we're not good enough. You ever been there? Think you're not good enough. Hallelujah. Well, you don't measure up. You're not pretty enough. Maybe you're ugly, maybe you're fat, maybe you're skinny, not smart enough. We, we go through these emotions. We can get into a place where we might sometimes even think that there's something wrong with me. You can get to a place to where you know your, your work and things ain't going right, and you can think, well, maybe it's my fault. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe it's in a relationship you're in. And you can think, well, maybe it's my fault that things ain't going right. And you can start putting the blame on yourself. Maybe you went through a, a divorce, or, or maybe you got fired. Maybe you know, something ain't going right with your parents and all this, and you can think, well, maybe it's my fault. Maybe there's something wrong with me. When, in fact, there is something wrong with you. Welcome to Revolution Church, where we're here to make everybody feel good about themselves and happy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right, y'all. Enjoy y'all Sunday. Uh, go Falcons. Okay, here we go. Love y'all. <laughs> there is something very wrong with each and every one of us, okay? And I want to give you a couple points. Hang in there with me, okay? It's going to get better, Okay. Because point one, I want you to write this down. Without Christ, there is something wrong with you. Without Christ, there's something wrong with every single one of us in this room. Without Christ, okay? Without Him, things are just not going to go the way you would like for them to go. The Bible says uh, in Ephesians 2, and I'll explain a little bit more about that, but Ephesians 2, verse 1 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Now, Paul is writing this to a Christian church. Okay, in, in, in Ephesus, okay? So he's writing to Christians, and what he's saying is that once you were dead for your uh, disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Did you know there's people that still to this day all over the world refuse to obey God? They've developed up in their own mind that why should I serve God? Okay, I'm a good person. I'm okay. I'm okay. And there is a lot of good moral people on the planet that really do live and die. And you think, man, they're just, they give, they're sweet, they're nice. They live and they die. And you go, wow, man, why should God punish them? Why should they go to a, a bad place? I mean, they were a nice person. Well, friend, the reality is from birth, you was born a sinner. You was born lost, not because of what you did. It's because of what your mama and daddy did in the garden long time ago, Adam and Eve. They messed this thing up. 
So every baby that would be born would have the sin nature in them, just like they had the sin nature in them in the garden when they disobeyed God. It not only hurt them, but it hurt everybody else after them, okay? Just like when you have a baby that may be born, okay, um, and, and maybe the, the mom uh, really was like hooked on cocaine or heroin or something. Okay, well, that sometimes will transfer over onto the baby, and the baby could literally be born with some, some issues, okay? Not because of what the baby did wrong. Sometimes it's just what the parent didn't do right, okay? Well, that's the same way with our parents, Adam and Eve. They messed up long, long ago, okay? So, obviously, when we're born, we're lost. So, God goes on a quest to bring us to himself, but the Ephesians goes on to say this, by our very nature, we were subjects to God's anger, just like everyone else. And it's not like God's wanting to send everybody to hell. He don't want to do that. Trust me, that's why he is so merciful with us, and he waits. He patiently works with each one of us. You know yourself, you have been doing some things you shouldn't have been doing, and there's been this little tug inside of you. That's God's love. He loves you. He's trying to keep you. Have you ever heard somebody say, I wished I wouldn't have done that? Okay. That was God's love trying to get you to go a different direction. But because we're bullheaded, we're strong-willed sometimes, we just barrel through. And we won't even say we're sorry after we make that mistake. Nah, man, you know, you just keep on barreling on. But sooner or later, you're going to hit your knees and go, man, whew, I should have yeah, straightened this out. But it don't leave you hanging there. Paul goes on to say in verse 4, but God is so rich in what? Mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. I mean, guys, that is just a good, good God that don't leave you hanging, okay? Yes, he don't want us to be sinners, but he made the way we don't have to be. Jesus hung on the cross. Jesus took the penalty of sin. He paid the price that we was ultimately going to have to pay. Not because, again, you did anything wrong. Mama, daddy, long time ago, okay? And I know there are going to be people standing in line to have a word for Adam and Eve. How many talk to you, okay? I know everybody. I mean, every preacher's probably said it, okay? When I get to heaven, I want to talk to Adam and Eve. Well, the reality is, is if it was uh, Bob and Susan, it don't matter. They would have did the same thing, okay? It's not just it was Adam and Eve. They just happened to be the poster childs, okay, of this whole mess, all right? But God loved them too. But my second point answers the question, who do you think you are? So write this down. We find out without Christ, there's something wrong with us. With Christ, you are God's masterpiece. With Christ, you are God's masterpiece. And I know some may be sitting in here today and going, you know what, I don't feel like God's masterpiece. And I get it. I've been there many times, even after my salvation. Okay? There is days we don't feel like we really are worth anything. Okay? But thank God we don't live by our feelings. Amen? We live by our faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But with Christ, you are God's masterpiece. Now, in Ephesians, he goes on in chapter 2, in verse 8, and he said, God saved you by his grace when you believed. That means you have to believe in the grace of God, what grace is provided. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. 
He has created us in a new in Christ Jesus so we can do the things God has planned for us a long time ago. Now, in another translation, it says we are his workmanship in the King James, okay? And they both can kind of, you know, masterpiece is just the definition of workmanship. But one thing you need to realize, we're not saved by our good works. We are saved to do good works. There's nothing you and I can do that is good enough to actually stand before God and say, okay, God, I did this, this, and this. Am I okay? No, you're not okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're not. Because if you could do it, if you could save yourself, why did Jesus pay that price? Why did a human, I mean, it's historically documented that a man named Jesus, he went to a cross, okay? He died on the cross, and his tomb is empty. It's all documented, okay? Why would somebody go to that trouble if you and I could do it? Makes no sense. I know I wouldn't go through that, would you? I mean, if there was an escape clause, okay, for other people to get, get through life, and, and, I, and I was going anyway, okay, that makes no sense. I'm not going to do it. No, Jesus had to pay a price. It was going to take a perfect person to go to the cross and take what a perfect person lost in the garden, okay? It's just, it's just a fact, okay? But you are God's masterpiece. Ephesians, uh, I, I said that, Ephesians 2.10, that just says we're his workmanship. We are God's masterpiece. You know, have you ever seen the bumper sticker that says God don't make junk? <laughs> and sometimes it's on the back of a bumper of a car. It looks like junk. <laughs> God don't make junk, but you're riding in junk, okay? But it's true, guys. The enemy works from the time you're born to the time you die to try to get you to believe you are worthless. He works overtime. He works with us sometimes because we give him place, okay? And then sometimes he works through others. Have you ever met those demon-possessed people in your life? Oh, yeah, they're full of the devil. The only thing, they're just not dressed in the costume. Okay, yeah, they're there. Well, they're meant to demoralize you. Schools are full of them. They are. Josh, thank you. Your head shake. He knows. Man, they'll, they'll talk bad about you. Uh, they'll cut you down. They'll, they'll, I mean, they'll, they'll cuss you. They'll gossip about you. They'll text about you. I mean, they'll tear you apart. Well, who's doing that? Who's behind that? It's the devil. And so, it's so unfortunate that a lot of those teens never get out of their cocoon to be a butterfly to fly because a lot of them take their own life because of the pressure that's in schools. God forbid that that pressure ever come from any student in this room, come from any person in this room at the workforce, workplace, college. It don't matter where. We are called to build people up and encourage people, guys, and to let people know that they are a masterpiece. Now, they may not be saved right now. They may not know where, where, how to find God, but still, let's coach them to get there. Let's don't tear people down because I'm telling you, man, even, even small kids, my gosh, you got to be careful with small kids in the store. I mean, man, they'll say some crazy stuff in line about somebody in a wheelchair or, or you know, maybe, you know, it's not really right. <laughs> Hello, shut up, man. Kid, what are you doing, man? <laughs> you don't belong to me. Who are you? <laughs> you know? Hallelujah. But we've got to know this. Now, I want everybody to say this after me because I, I think confession is good, okay? Say, I am God's masterpiece made in Christ Jesus to do what God created me to do. You are his masterpiece, and you need to see yourself that way. Well, Nathan, I blew it all last week. I made mistake after mistake after mistake. So what? Okay, this is a new day, all right? We have a God that can forgive and forget, and we can move on, and we can let those things stay behind this. 
As God's masterpiece, I want to give you three points today that I hope drive this home because I want to encourage you. I think church should be a place to come to be encouraged, okay? Now, sometimes I struggle with that because I want you guys to be soldiers and get on the battlefield, kick the devil's brains in, and I want to, oh, let's get it. Come on, guys. Boo, boo, boo. Let's do this thing like a good coach, okay? You know, the coach don't go in there and rub everybody's shoulders right before they go out to play a game. He usually comes in there with this fiery message to ticks everybody off. You know what I'm saying? To go out there and just, brah, you know, beat that team. You know what I'm saying? It don't always work. But the motive behind the message is to get people fired up, to believe you can't beat this team. I know you're 0-10. You ain't scored a point all year. They're the number one team in the world. But you can beat them, guys. Come on, let's go. And they'll run out of the locker room until about the first quarter's over, and they'll be like, oh, Coach, you lied. What's wrong with you, man? But the bottom line is, guys, God wants you to know he's with you. And if you got God with you, come on, man. You got God with you? You got it made, dog. I don't care what you go through. He's with you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, the first point I want you guys to write down is you are created for the master's purpose. You are created for the master's purpose. You are created for the master's purpose. And then turn to Psalms 139, 13. Hallelujah. It says in verse 13, for you created my inmost being. Who did it? God did. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Hallelujah. We have a mother in the building that's got a baby in the womb. She does. Carrie and Austin are expecting a child. Hallelujah. Mm, I'm excited about it. Glory to God. She has a baby in that womb of hers. Who's doing the work? God's doing some work inside of her. He's doing some work inside her. Now, our natural bodies that were made by God, they, they, you know, they do what God intended for it to do. But Psalms is telling us some things here. It says, I praise you because I am what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was, was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. How many of you know that her womb is the secret place? We can't see that baby right now. There'll be a time we will, but right now it's in the secret place, all right? And that baby is, is, is really closer to God than anybody in this room. It is. It is. I say it because I don't think I know what it is. Yeah, I do, Hamburger. <laughs> and it says, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That baby's life is complete in God's eyes already, complete. Your life is complete in God's eyes. The question is, are we going to follow him or are we going to follow me, <laughs> yourself? That's the question. And when that baby comes out of that womb, they have a responsibility to raise that kid up and to train that kid. But ultimately, you want to get that kid off of you and onto God as quick as possible. Because sooner or later, they're going to walk away from you, and they're walking into a big world. And I'm going to tell you something. If they are hooked on the bottle of mom and dad for the rest of their life, they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle. Because when things don't go right, guess who they're running to? They ain't running to God. They run to mom and daddy. And unfortunately, moms and dads, we can only do so much. We can. We can only do so much. Now, we're going to do our part, but just know we want to get the kids to God as quick as possible. You are God's masterpiece meant to live out God's purpose for your life. Did you know God has a purpose for everybody in this room? He has. 
The moment in history was for you. This moment in history was for you to glorify God on earth as his masterpiece. We are like a beautiful portrait that is set up for all to see. And then they ask, who did this beautiful work? That's what God intended for his creation, each one of you in here. No matter what you think of yourself, you need to get God's perspective on who you are. Because your daddy, I'm telling you, has got your magnet, your picture on his big refrigerator in heaven. Amen. You are an apple of his eye. He loves you, and he's got you up for the world to see. Hallelujah. God wants us to know that when we were in our mother's womb, he was designing us to bring him glory and praise through our life lived for him on this earth. Life without purpose is time without meaning. Life without purpose is time without meaning. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, you will abuse that thing. Friend, there is so many people, maybe in this room and maybe out here, that you do not understand the purpose of your life, so you end up abusing your life. You let everything else try to define you. You look to so many other things to bring you purpose other than God, and you end up screwing up your life. Hear me. You end up going down roads you should have never went. You end up getting hooked up with things that you should have never got hooked up with. And I'm telling you, if we don't understand the purpose of our life, we will abuse our life. That's why so many people look to other things, drugs, maybe alcohol, maybe you know, look to people, look to uh, other things to fulfill them and give them purpose. And the only one that can give you purpose is God Almighty, the only one. And that's why it's so important that we all encourage each other to get to God. Encourage each other to get in His Word, get close to Him, because there you will find what you was made for. Amen? And the good news about God is He never leaves nor forsakes. So even though we have chose other things, even though maybe we have went different way, don't run from God, run to God. Because His purpose is never erased. He's always ready to get you on course. He just needs your cooperation. That's all he needs. He needs your cooperation to work with him. Hallelujah. We were created for the master's purpose. Number two point, you have everything you need to do everything God wants you to do. You have everything you need to do everything God wants you to do. We find this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God has given you everything. He put it in you to do everything in this world and to live for him. It's in there. It's just we've got to discover, we've got to train it, and we've got to let it grow and then watch it come out, and it will do what it's sent to do, okay? It's just like many of you guys, you get a lawnmower, okay? Well, that lawnmower has a purpose, right? Everything in that lawnmower has been put in there to cut your grass. It will cut your grass, amen? It will do it. And it's everything, the blade, the motor, everything's there. All you got to do is crank it up, and you run that over the grass, and it cuts the grass, okay? That thing is not meant to clean your pool. 
So if you take the lawnmower, crank it up, throw it in the pool, and try to clean the bottom of the pool, you're not going to get nowhere. It's not designed for that. If you crank up the lawnmower and sit on it to drive to your you know, store, it ain't going to get you there. All right? If you crank the lawnmower up and you try to watch TV with it, it's, it's, you can't watch no TV on it. It's not designed to do that. But as long as that lawnmower does what it was created to do, it will do it perfectly. The thing with us, guys, is some of the things that we try to do, God has not graced us to do. We try to do things, and the problem we have, too, is saying no sometimes. You need to be able to say no. No. Now, do it sweet. But no, I can't do that. Some people just say yes to everything. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And you ain't graced to do it. Then you get overwhelmed, and then everything starts caving in, and then you go, you shouldn't have said yes. Whose fault is it? Say no. You know, no is shorter than yes. (laughs) I mean, it takes less time to say no than it does yes. It does. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And then we feel like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. God has given us all things we need to be successful on earth for us to be able to bring him glory on earth. You know, sometimes we have this masterpiece envy. What am I trying to say? Well, It's kind of like this right here. You go, uh, well, man, you know, they're really, really good at that. You know, and you'll look across the, the, the way there and you go, well, man, they're really good at that. And I'm not that good at that. I want to be like that. We look at other people's masterpiece, okay, and we want to be like them. Oh, man, that's, that's a really good ball player. I want to be like them. That's a really good mechanic. I want to be, oh, that's a really good singer. I want to be like them, okay? And then you get this envy within, within people to want to be like them that we forget about who we are. Everybody on earth has a special talent and gift from God Almighty that needs to be viewed and needs to be worked out in this world to make this world a good place. It's kind of like the church here. We have many things in this church. We can do them things a lot better with all the parts in here working. Amen? And if all the parts get in here and all the parts do what they're called to do, because everybody has a place. Everybody has a place. And when you find your place, guess what? You begin to have purpose. You begin to start living out with excitement and passion. And knowing that, hey, look, don't look across the aisle as somebody else doing something better than you are. Maybe they're just in their grace. You know, I'm not called to sing. I'm not called to do uh, mechanic work on airplanes. I'm not. I'm not called to do a lot of things. But I know some things I am called to do. I'm called to love my wife like Christ loved the church. I'm called to love my kids. I'm called to be a trim carpenter. I can do trim with the best stuff and bring it on. I can, do, I can build anything, okay? You give me some plans, you give me some wood, and it's game on. Why? I'm graced to do that. I'm graced to do that. I'm not graced to do it, be an artist and paint, okay? I'm graced to do certain things, and so are you. I'm graced to pastor. You know, I'm graced to do these things. I'm graced to preach the gospel. But, but, get, but there again, when I get outside of my grace and I try to go do something I wasn't graced to do, it's going to be frustration. And, and everybody in this room, sometimes we do that. God don't want us to do that. God wants us to stay in our lane. You have a lane. Stay there. And don't be ashamed of your lane. Don't look down on your lane. Your lane's important. It's very important. I mean, people that get back there, like my wife's with the kids this morning in the, in the nursery department. We've got Brandon upstairs. We've got Jake and you know Chris back here. I mean, we have several people around that's doing some things right now. And, and I'm telling you guys, there's no greater fulfillment when you're doing those things. I mean, there's joy. There's excitement. You're helping somebody else. But what if she was in the nursery just saying, gosh, this is terrible. I'm missing the message. This is awful. I mean, man, I want to be in the message. I want to be hearing the message. 
I got to be back here with these kids. What? <laughs> Come on. I mean, I've often told people many, many times, do you not think that God knows where you're at? I mean, I used to serve in the nursery. I used to serve in children's church. And I never, ever thought that, man, I'm, as a guest speaker today, man, dadgum, I got to be back here with the kids. No. I thought, well, God knows where I'm at. He'll minister to me right here. I mean, do we serve a big God or not? Amen? God knows where you're at. He will get you what you need. Hallelujah. We was created for his purpose. You have everything you need to do everything God wants you to do. And number three, God will use everything in your life to bring about his purpose. God will use everything in your life to bring about his purpose. Mm. Hallelujah. Romans 8.28 says this. And it's funny that I'm using this verse today because this was a verse that me and my wife used whenever she was walking through uh, the season of her life with her kidney and everything. But it was this day two years ago that she was laid up in the hospital told that she was sick. This day two years ago, October 20th, 2017. It was also this day, October 20th, 1993, that her husband got killed. This is, this is, a, this is a, a big day <coughs> in her life. Um, but this scripture came to mind to me when we was going through a lot of that. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, that don't work good for just anybody. He's working all things together for the good of those who what? Love him. It's a small group of people. Those who love him. But notice that he's working all things. Now, would the good things be under all? Would the bad things be under all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All means all. Your whole life. He takes all of that. And if you will love God, okay, and not run from God, and not love everything else, okay, but if you'll turn your focus on God and love him, he will take all those things and he'll work it out for your good. And you'll see at the end of it that you're going to be well off. You'll be okay. It reminds me of a guy named Joseph in the Bible. Has anybody ever heard of Joseph in the Bible? Joseph uh, in Genesis, he was, uh, he was the son of Jacob. He was also a, uh, he had ten other siblings other than himself. Um, you know, and he uh, had a dream one night. And he came out and he shared it with his brothers. And said, one day y'all are going to basically bow down to me and, and serve me. Well, how many of you know, if you're the younger in the family, that don't fly. I'm about to jack you up. I ain't serving you, okay? Well, it did. It ticked them off. They got mad as a hornet, okay? So the story goes on to say that Jacob told Joseph, hey, go check on your brothers. They're out there in the field. So Joseph went out there and obeyed his father. Well, when he showed up, all the brothers said, huh, here's our moment. We killing this dude. We wiping him out. We got him on our territory. Well, thank God for Reuben, okay? God spoke to Reuben and said, no, don't kill him. I mean, which he wasn't listening to God. He just had mercy, I guess. I don't know. But they threw him in a hole, okay? And then they saw these Midianites coming, and they said, well, look, let's just sell him to the Midianites, and then, you know, we will kill a lamb and put some blood on his coat and take it back to his father and say, hey, look, he died. Man, a lion got him or a big beast got him, okay? So Joseph, he's done nothing wrong. He gets sold to the Midianites. They take him in, and then he gets bought by Pharaoh. Not Pharaoh, but uh, Potiphar. So he's beginning to be a slave or a servant to Potiphar in his house. Now, mind you, Joseph ain't done nothing wrong, right? I mean, he's just loving God and being cool. And, man, he's being thrown around like a you know, wet rag. 
So he gets to Potiphar's house, and Potiphar loved him. Now, you see God was moving on Joseph the whole way because when he got to Potiphar's house, Potiphar said, I like this guy. Whew, man, he's good. He's making Potiphar's house even better because he was still loving God. All things work together for those who love God. He's still loving God. Well, Potiphar's wife started checking out Joseph, and evidently Joseph was a pretty hot dude. I feel what he's going through. I know it. It's just we're tough, you know. <laughs> I deal with this all the time. Ain't that right to ask me? It's all the time, brother. I mean, what can we do, man? But anyway, Potiphar's wife began to look at Joseph, and he she wanted him. Oh, man. But Joseph, being a godly man, he didn't want to give in. So one day, Potiphar's wife set up the whole scene to where it was going to be her and him. Well, he comes in to do what Potiphar asked him to do, and she's kind of, Dressed up really kind of skimpy, looking pretty good. You know, just, you know, <laughs> we don't want to go too far here. But anyway, she, uh, <coughs> be quiet first, brother. <laughs> but she was dressed a little skimpy, so she was trying to lure Joseph in to, to, to you know, lay with her. Well, Joseph, man, he said, no, I will not. So he goes to run, and she grabs his coat as collateral, okay. And uh, Joseph runs. He's an innocent man. Well, she starts yelling for the guards. Oh, he tried to rape me, yada, 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 okay? And then they come bursting in the doors, okay? And, of course, who is Potiphar going to believe, his wife or Joseph? He's going to believe his wife, okay? So they lock Joseph up. So now he's locked up. What's Joseph done wrong? Nothing. But he keeps loving God. He gets down to the jail, and he begins to get favor with a jailkeeper. <laughs> he's getting favor. Why? Because he keeps loving God. He won't quit loving God. He keeps loving him. It ain't, this is awful. I mean, when you go from wearing a robe of many colors, and, man, you're really having dreams of, of your family bowing down, and it's just all good, now you're in the bottom of a jail cell? I mean, I think things have changed in a few years. You know what I'm saying? You would have the right to go, whoa, dog, what's up, guy? Uh, uh, hello. I'm just loving you. I mean, come on, man. Chill out. Could you maybe stop the wrath for a little bit? Okay, well, it gets worse. <laughs> it don't get no better, okay? So he gets in, the, he's down there, and he, he gains favor with the jailkeeper and begins to start being able to do some things down there. Um, but then these two guys come in there. It, it, it was uh, Pharaoh's uh, chef and baker, butler and baker, came into the prison. And they were there, and they were all sad. They were just down and out. So he's encouraging them. Hey, guys, come on, man, don't be sad. It's okay, it's okay. Well, those two had a dream. And then Joseph revealed, revealed their dreams to them. So he said, he said it to, I think it was the uh, butler, that he said, hey, look, when this comes to pass, I want you to remember me and tell Pharaoh that I'm the one that revealed this to you. So these two guys go out, uh, they get released, just like you know, Joseph said they would, and they're back in their place. you got the baker, and then you got Joseph, I mean the, the butler. Now the baker's dream revealed that when he got out that he was going to be hung on a pole and birds was going to eat his head. So that probably wasn't really good. That's why he told the butler, when you get back, you know, this is going to be good. So, hey, remember me. Well, guess what? The butler didn't remember him. For two more years, he's in prison. Two more years. I mean, wouldn't you get to the point where you're like, man, gum, I just helped him out, man. And he ain't going to help me out. No, no, no. He keeps loving God. Keeps loving God. Then, guess what? Pharaoh had a dream. See, God works all things together for those who love him. See, God's working sometimes when you don't even know he's working. That's why you keep loving God. Even when you don't understand, keep loving God. I promise you it's going to end well. So Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh calls his magicians. He calls all the people that are supposed to. They couldn't, they couldn't tell him what it was. They couldn't interpret it. 
So finally the butler goes, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, there was this guy in prison. Oh, man, oh, I meant to tell you, but he was in prison, and, man, he revealed my dream. He revealed the baker, and it came to pass. I bet you he can do it. So they go and get Joseph. He comes out, so Pharaoh shares his dream with him, and then Joseph, he actually reveals it. That guy, Joseph, went from being in the prison to second in charge of all of Egypt just by revealing that dream to Pharaoh. Second in charge. That means he was basically running Egypt while Pharaoh was smoking big cigars and sitting in big chairs. Pharaoh, I mean, uh, Joseph's running the nation. Because what? God's working all things together for the good of those who love him. It didn't stop there. Well, there's a famine in the land. Everybody's hungry. So Jacob, which is Joseph's father, says, hey, I want you to go over there to Egypt and get us some food and here's some money and stuff to get the food. So Joseph sees his brothers coming. And to make a long story short, a lot went on there. It ended up that, that finally Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. Now, by all rights, he could have killed them just like that. He could have wiped them out because of what they did wrong. But Joseph didn't. He said, guys, y'all thought y'all was doing a bad thing. But God was working all things together for the good. Now, did God cause all that to happen? No, that was man's ignorance and stupidity, okay? They didn't listen to God. They were listening to their flesh. But God will stay with you and get you where you need to go at the right time, at the right place, if you keep loving him. But when you pull back, and many people do, when all hell breaks loose and the world you live in starts crumbling and shaking, we begin to start going, oh, man, this God thing don't work. Man, I, I lived for God for two weeks, and, man, look at my world. Really? Well, look at your world with 10 years without God. It can still look the same, okay? I mean, come on, man. Give God a chance. Don't give up on God. Don't throw the towel in. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So you were created for the master's purpose. God will give you everything you need to bring about his purpose. And then uh, let me say a few other things. What the devil means for evil, God will turn it around for our good. I'm telling you guys. Because before Christ, that's why I'm so passionate sometimes. When y'all come in here and y'all see me up here and I'm being loud and all that, and y'all ain't being loud with me. But, uh, I, you know, I, I get passionate. Why? Because I was that messed up dude that was doing drugs, alcohol, lost, parents going to hell. My world was rocked, divorced home. I mean, I was bouncing all over the place. Things weren't going good. I mean, sin was in my life. And when I met Jesus, when I met Jesus, I'm talking about I was a party animal, man. I lived to party. I lived for the weekend. I did, man. I mean, man, vodka and Mountain Dew, give it to me, baby. I would tear it up. I would drink and play poker and spend money and waste, I mean, just wasting my life because I did not understand the purpose I had. But when I met Jesus, when I met Jesus, everything changed. So therefore, yes, when I get up here, I'm passionate about transformation. I'm a passionate man about, hey, give him your whole life. Let him fix what you broke, amen? Let him turn it around for you. Bring your sins to him. I know what he'll do. He will turn it around for you. He will finish the work he started in you if you just let him because you are his masterpiece. He never quits. He never gives up. He's constantly working on you, amen? Don't that excite you a little bit? Just nod your head. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's good. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. So this is my question. Or really, you know, if you don't like yourself today, if you don't like where you're at, why don't you let God remake you? Why don't you let God remake you today? Why don't you let God remake, restore? 
things in your life. Don't give up. I don't care how bad you've messed up. I don't care how far you've went. God can remake you and restore you. You've got to give him a chance. You know, Jeremiah says this in 18, verse 3 and 4. It says, Then I went down to the potter's house and saw that he was working at the wheel. But the vessel that he was making from clay was spoiled by the potter's hand. So he made it over, reworking it and making it into another pot that seemed good to him. Now, I want you to get that from God's perspective. Sometimes, because we're just balls of clay, if you didn't know that. We came from dirt. God took dirt and created Adam and Eve. Well, Eve's actually from a rib. Y'all ribs, girls. Y'all ribs. We came from dirt, guys. Okay, hallelujah. Nah, we all, in essence, we come from dirt, we go to dirt, okay? But we are all clay. And sometimes when the clay's born, like Carrie and, you know, Austin are going to be having a baby pretty soon. When that baby comes out, what do we do? <laughs> it's so cute. It's a ball of clay. It's a ball of clay. But it's a ball of clay that the master just formed and is coming to this world. But through life, what can happen to that ball of clay? It can actually begin to start not looking as good as it did when it came out. So what's God saying to us? Maybe your clay just ain't where it needs to be. And God is saying, hey, give me your clay and let me rework you and let me make it good. But God's got to have your help. It don't happen just because you come to church. It happens because you give him your life. That's where it happens. You are God's masterpiece. I'm telling you, he is so happy with each and every one of you. He loves his creation. He loves you. And he cares for you better than anybody on this planet. I'm telling you, man. That's why me and my wife, we don't look to be the savior of each other's life. We don't look to be the supplier of each other's life. We look to God for everything. We both do. I'm not her provider. She's not my provider. God is the provider. I'd rather it be that way. Dude, I ain't got a shot compared to God. <laughs> God's good. Hallelujah. If she's looking to him, hey, man, my load's light and my burden, everything's easy if he's looking to, you know, looking to God. God wants you. He wants you. Everybody in this room, he wants you. The question is, do you want him? You have to ask that question and you have to answer it. And I mean with your life. There's no better place to take your life and hand it than to the Lord Jesus. And say, Lord, take my life. Do with it as you will. I am now in your hands. I don't want to do my own thing. You know, and it took me about three or four months to do that. I didn't just come to church one time and go, wow, <laughs> let's quit drinking, quit smoking pot, we're good. <laughs> let's just serve Jesus. No, man, I was still doing some of the same stupid stuff. I just kept coming. I kept thinking, man, this is pretty cool. I'm, I'm hearing some stuff I ain't never heard before. Let me check this out. Let me keep listening. Let me keep listening. And pretty soon, I remember the day in the living room where the man said, hey, look, do you want to receive Jesus? I said, yes, I do. I do want to receive Jesus. Give it to me. And I remember joining hands. He's in heaven now, but I'll never forget him. David Cundiff, I'll never forget it, in his living room. And he led me to Jesus. 
I'll never forget that. And it was something that came all over me. Oh, my God. I just can't tell you. Because I've been high, brother. <laughs> I've been high. <laughs> I've been drunk, sister. I'm talking drunk. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all been drunk before. Act like y'all ain't never been drunk. Some of y'all been high. I hope none of y'all high right now. <laughs> I hope none of y'all drunk right now. But, you know, I've been there. I know the deal. That's why this church, man, we accept everybody. We love everybody. Because I'm going to tell you something. Bring your mess on into Revolution Church. And let's let God fix you. Not me. Amen. I'm just a preacher. And I'm going to love you just like you are. Because I used to be like many. <laughs> I know. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Man, if y'all would go ahead and come on up. We got some people. You can go ahead and get ready, Megan, if you want to. We got some people getting baptized today. How about that? Is that exciting? Amen. But before we do that, guys, uh, and maybe you're here today and you say, Nathan, man, I want to get baptized. I didn't bring no change of clothes, but, man, I just want to get baptized. Guess what? We got clothes for you. We can have you fixed up in just a minute, and you can get in this pool. And, hey, look, all things have been washed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new. Basically, baptism is just an expression of what God did on the inside is we're just kind of revealing it to our friends and family of what, what went wrong. Amen? So if you're here today and you say, man, look, I want to get baptized today. Hey, look, we got you set up. Amen? We got you set up. You can get baptized today. But we do have a couple people getting baptized. But before we get to that, guys, before we get to that, I want you guys to close your eyes. And I just want you to just think about your life. Just think about it for a minute. Many of you guys are in your 20s. Many of you guys are in your 30s, maybe your 40s. Like me, I'm in my 50s, 60s. Um, but I can tell you, speaking from a 52-year-old man, it didn't take me long to get here. It didn't. It didn't take me long to get here. Many of you guys that are in your 20s can probably say, well, it didn't take me long to get here. The reality is, is our life is so short, and pretty soon it's going to be over. We're going to be living a lot longer in eternity than we are in this temporary world right here. So I, I want you guys to be thinking about, is your heart where it needs to be with Jesus? No condemnation. We ain't, we ain't throwing nobody down. I'm, I'm just saying it's between you and Jesus, not between me and you, between you and Jesus. If you're here today and the Lord's touching you and he's saying, hey, look, man, I love you. I want to help you. I want to get involved in your mess. I want to get involved in your life. Give me your life today. If that's you, I just want you to be bold. And I'm not, hey, listen, we're not going to embarrass nobody, guys. We're not embarrassing nobody. But I want you to be able to leave here pushing the reset button and starting all over again. So if that's you and you say, look, I want Jesus to help me, I just want you to boldly raise your hand. Just raise it. We're not going to make fun of anybody. We're not going to call anybody out. I'm just telling you, this is between you and Jesus. I just think sometimes when we raise our hand, it's just declaring that, hey, look, I mean business. Because the reality is, this is between you and God. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, let's pray, and then we're going to get ready for the baptism. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and I thank you for each and every person in this room today. I thank you, Lord, that you spoke to our hearts today. You've encouraged us, Father God, that we are your masterpiece, that we are the workmanship of your hands. And Father God, we thank you that right now, that as we leave this building today, we will take steps to draw closer to you and draw away from the things that hinder the love that we need to have. And I just thank you, Lord, for giving each and every person in here grace 
to be able to see their need for a Savior every day. And I just thank you, Lord, that as we discover who we are, that these will be statements that we live by for the rest of our life, that you believe in us, you love us, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, that you're working all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I pray, Father God, that every person in this room will discover their purpose and that they will walk in it because they're all uniquely made and designed by you to do something great. I give you praise and glory and honor. Everybody said amen, amen, amen.